Hello and welcome to Now Here's a Thing, the latest laid-back podcast crafted by me, Tracy Jones, and me, Heather Noble. Tiresome. Tiresome, Heather. Tiresome. Tedious. Not this podcast. No, not this podcast, no. Just people who mess around with your social media. People who mess around with your social media, yes. Yeah. There we go. So that was was most of yesterday taken up for me. It's okay, I'll edit the bit out where you were effing and blinded about them. (laughs) In case they've stalked me. (laughs) Oh, it wasn't to offend them, not to offend them. It was just because maybe not start the podcast with an F word. I don't know. Okay. Fuckers. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Discovered a career that I wish I'd known about. Oh. Have you ever thought that you'd like to have a crystal ball? What? Fortune teller? Is that a career that you wish you'd... Futurist. Futurist? Or Futurologist. Future is that is that actually a word? Yeah, it's an actual job. Okay, tell me about it. Several years. How many O levels do you need? (laughs) (laughs) So several years ago, I was at the careers fair at the NEC with my daughter, and um, HS2 were doing like a careers um, pathway for the young people, and I had to go obviously to see what career I should have, as if in at that point in my late forties I hadn't. Decided which career path to take. Well, never say never, you know. Um, and I got the result futurologist. And I sort of parked it and thought, I don't really know what that is, but probably not the route I'm going to go down. So was this questions that you were asking on a computer? Like, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So it was a big exhibition in the yeah. NEC. Uh, the HS2, the company that was recruiting loads of people to work on the project. And... Uh, they gave me a little badge that said futurologist. What's the job description? What, what's the task I didn't list? know at the time. Okay. And I've, I ignored it and forgot about it. So the only reason I'm bringing it up is I was at a Future of Work conference on Tuesday this week in Cardiff. Very good. Thank you very much to the HR Network in Wales. And there was a gentleman who did the first talk I listened to called Andrew Curry from the School of International Futures and his job title was Futurist. And so all those connections way back to when I did that career test with HS2, which wasn't really intended for me, but my daughter anyway, uh, I thought, oh, what this is interesting. Mm -hmm. And he gave a very good talk on um, megatrends, and, and how the world's changed in the world of work, particularly because we were HR profession- professionals. And um, he said he was from the School of International Futures, which I went to look up to see what it was that they did and indeed what Andrew Curry does. So SOIF, the School of International Futures, and that's their website, SOIF, are practitioners in intergenerational planning, strategy and policy. Okay, that sounds quite dull. Oh, I thought it sounded very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm <Okay>. dull. 
<laughs> so their work has a social purpose and uses foresight to unlock insights about the future. We practice foresight for a purpose to create a fairer world for future generations and passionately believe that strategic foresight can help build better long-term futures for all generations. So they advise. So they advise uh, government, businesses, civil society, um, foundations, etc. on policy and business questions. They work with organisations, individuals and groups, uh, mentor them, and help them to build their capability to apply future-facing perspectives. They weave. This is the list of things they do, and, and, and I'm guessing not with fat, not with yeah. wool and no. stuff. They weave with a network of social change agents across the globe, and they tackle some of today's crunchiest and most complex public purpose challenges. Oh, that sounded quite interesting. Mm. There's a a blog on their website with a few interesting articles. And uh, this Andrew Curry has his own website with a number of different articles as well. So I just thought, OK, I'm going to look up. Is futurist or futurologist a job? OK. And indeed it is. Uh, it's a relatively new role that focuses on making forecasts and predictions about what might happen to human society, technology, the economy and other key systems in the future. So it is a crystal ball, but with a little bit of academia thrown in Mm -hmm. as well. I guess you have to know about some stuff and not just get your crystal ball and gaze into it. Yeah, because that would be a fortune teller. And then I I went, is a futurist a good job? Okay. So um, people and businesses rely on futurists to understand um, and to be prepared for what comes next. And what salary was my next question. So the the only salary I found was on an American website, ranging from $96,000 to $126,000. Okay, not too shabby. Not too shabby. So then, okay, I'm going down this rabbit hole. What qualifications do I need to be a futurist? So... Apparently, futurists need at least three years of work experience. Got that. Uh, yeah. And demonstrated expertise in a particular field. Okay. Got that. Several years under the tutelage of a futurist mentor. Not got that. And the completion of a master's degree in future studies. Not got that. How long has that been on? How long has future studies been on the uh, agenda? I've never noticed future studies, so I went to look up the qualification for future studies. So future studies or futures research is a systematic study of possible, probable and preferable futures. The field has broadened into an exploration of alternative futures and deepened to investigate the worldviews and mythologies that underlie our collective prospects. Many futurists develop an interest in the future during their university studies. And after you've studied at university, you might join a future studies institute. So it sounds to me a little bit like, because a lot of studying, academic study, is based on what's gone before. Yeah. So I suppose this sounds a little bit like looking at what's gone before and identifying trends and then looking at where we are now 
and what's emerging and then trying to map forward based on some of those trends. You will need the ability to imagine a future beyond existing boundaries. Okay. And not be constrained by what you already know to be possible. Mm, okay. So you'll also need to... Exactly. Thinking outside the box, mm, quite literally. Yeah. Uh, you'll need to back this up with strong analytical skills and the ability to make sound judgments based on evidence. I like this sentence. It's a balance between possibility probability and potential mm. i think it sounds exciting if i was going to change careers which i'm not i might explore that a little bit or if it had been if it had existed well interestingly enough one of the um, options i took on my degree on my first degree business studies i did uh, it and econometric forecasting okay which so maybe that's a precursor to this. Maybe it is. We were, we were looking at economics and using math, statistics to project forward. But you're still a little bit constrained with that because you're still working within what you already know, aren't you? So I guess it's taking that a little bit further and it, forward. Yeah, and it sounds like this isn't only linked to economics. It's linked to... The world. Technology. Society, yeah. Uh, yeah, a bit of sociology, all, all sorts of things all mixed together. Oh. Yeah, a really interesting talk. Uh, he he was talking about um, the future trends for the workplace, but he also focused in on the future of cities and how um, there's been a lot of talk from the uh, mid-2010s, um, sort of like 2012 or so, a few books talking about the city as the future. Mm-hmm. And he's like... Yeah, you see, that's all falling apart, hasn't it? Mm. That's, you know, how's that going to work? And he was saying that we, we seem to have reached this point where um, we're moving from a particular age and it starts to break down and you're moving into something new. So a bit of deconstruction and then reconstruction. Yeah, it just goes through a little bit of a crisis. It's having to reform and decide how to move forward. But it basically saying the infrastructure needed to keep a city going is is massive and it takes up all the resources. But then that is where all the funding tends to go. Mm. Anyway, and, it was and, fascinating. And if you don't have that, then it's difficult to maintain a city around it. Is he American or is he British? He's British, yeah. Right. He's based okay. in London. His own um, blog is called The Next Wave and there's a number of interesting articles and it covers loads of things so uh, one of the articles written in January this year is how Britain fell in and out of love with roads um, and then the the bit uh, about tacit knowledge do you remember the the tacit knowledge that uh, was it the non-current acute or something like that? I can't remember the actual name uh, non-aca and acute that talks about the move from tacit to explicit knowledge. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. So it's a little article on that and also uh, about uh, social learning, organisational knowledge. Uh, loads of stuff for a bit of a geek, really. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, OK. <laughs> Look at your faces a little no, bit. No, no, yeah. not at all. You're no. welcome to it. No, well, at least it's, it's not what I first thought um, and I've learned something. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose if 
there's a risk that if a child walked into school and said, I want to be a futurist, I'm not sure that teachers would necessarily understand what that is and they might think it's more of a religion. Oh, yeah. Than a... Like a Scientologist. Yes, yeah. A futurologist. Yes, yeah. My religion is the future. Yeah. Well, there is no other religion, is there? Because the future's bright and it's orange. <laughs> Now you're coming back a few years, aren't you? Good gosh, what we're talking about there? Early nineties. God, I don't know. I suppose. Well, orange doesn't. Does orange still exist? Orange mobile phones. I really don't know. They've all got consumed and subsumed, and certainly that advert isn't around, is it? Yeah, the future's bright. The future's orange. No. No. Will be the youngsters should look at you like an idiot what, yeah, if you said that to him. Indeed. Indeed. Okay, now here's the thing. You're looking at um, you're looking at the future. Uh, I came across um, on on the Twitters this week. Yeah, um, I followed Daniel Pink, yes. who we took we talked about quite a few times on um, big business briefs and on the business community. Um, author, but he's running a thing through this month. Um, which is a little bit more reflective, a little bit more looking backwards. Oh, you're looking backwards. I'm looking backwards. Okay. But with a view to moving forward. Okay. Yeah. So he's, um, so what he's doing is he's posing questions each day and some of them caught my eye. And, uh, so let's start with bearing in mind, um, what you have been talking about. For example, um, one of the questions was, what do I believe today that I didn't believe 10 years ago? Oh, just one thing. Well, I mean, you can have as many as you like, but that's quite a question, isn't it? It's not the, as easy as it seems because... I, I didn't think it was easy. No. It, no, well... You go, oh, yeah, that, and then you go, well, actually, I believe it now... And so once you believe something, once you've learned something, it's quite difficult to think about how you felt before, before you believed it or before you knew it. Yeah. What do I believe today that I didn't believe 10 have years ago? Have you got ago? an answer for that? Well, I kind of haven't. I mean, I think maybe if I were reflecting on myself, I probably believe that I'm more capable than I might have thought I was 10 years ago. So I believe... Yeah. In me a little bit more. Um, but it's, yeah. I, yeah. I read it and I went, well, that's just... And it's like, no, actually, the more you think about it... Coffee, you're going to have me pondering all bloody night now. All right, well, here we go. I'll give you another one then, shall so I? So when I can't sleep at three o'clock in the morning, I'm going to message you. Yeah, it's all right, my phone's on silent. <laughs> um, what is one thing I'm putting off that I know I should be doing? Oh, God. It's something every day that is. I know, yeah. I know. But if we had that's to an distill easy it, one. well, if you had, but if you had to distill it to one thing, oh, only one thing. Yeah. What is twenty one things thing that I'm putting off that I know I should be doing? No, because I'm a master procrastinator. Wow. And it's while I'm procrastinating, I can get lots of other good stuff done. Oh, that's yeah. usually my mo. Yeah. Well, if if you find me, if you ever find me ironing. <laughs> You'll know that I'm procrastinating <laughs> big time. Oh, it's something serious you're trying to avoid. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, what's the one thing I should stop doing? Oh, just one. 
This is the thing. Yeah. One thing. What one thing should I stop doing? Reading Daniel Pink's tweets? No, I don't think that's fair. I think they're really interesting. So, okay, here's... They are re- really good to reflect like that, but th- they will drive me mad. Yeah, yeah, well, there's going to be 28 of them. Uh, the last one from me is, what's the worst advice I've ever gotten or been given? Let's not say gotten. What's the worst <laughs> advice I've ever been given other than using the word gotten? <laughs> Good God. And again, getting it, distilling it down to one. Yeah. How do you do that? It's good, isn't it? And have you got answer for that? The worst advice? No, I... Because again, if if it was really bad advice and you acted on it, you've probably forgotten it. Yeah. And, not, you know, and erased it, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Erased it from your memory. Okay. It would be easier. And I think this the is... The best advice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a little bit of why he's doing this. However. I don't know, though. Don't you think there might be some people with the mindset where it's easier to say all the bad advice? Oh, yeah, blaming everybody else, I suppose. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. and maybe that comes from, you know, a little bit of self-awareness, a little bit of um, self-reflection, recognising that just because somebody... Here we go. Just because somebody gave you a piece of advice, (laughs) you're the idiot if you adopted it, you know? You know, it's the classic, you know, if somebody told you to jump off a cliff, would you do it? No, because obviously that's not a good thing to do. So maybe... Um, yeah is it one of those um, where actually it's turning the mirror on yourself so it's not so much about it was bad advice is that you took a bad decision based on some advice yeah or maybe that wasn't the only advice you had but that was the advice that you picked out that you took to hang your decision on yeah. so maybe it's what's what's the worst piece of advice that I've acted on <laughs> That I came to regret. Yeah. No regrets. No. Yeah. No. no. Yeah, I was just about to go into French as well. And <laughs> I wasn't going to sing. No thing. regret, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not singing either. <laughs> yeah, all right. Talking of singing, on a very different note, now here is a thing. We are women of a certain age, are we not? That is true. We might look back and think of all the things that we did wrong, the advice we took, the advice we didn't take. But what if we decided to seize the day and do something very different? What if we... (laughs) So many things came to mind there. I'm sorry. Go on. Obviously, carpe diem, seize the day. Yes. But also, do something different instead. It's taken me back to Why Don't You from when I was a oh, kid. Oh, yeah. Again, we're talking to the older people in the audience here. I spend most of my Why time... Why don't you... Yeah. Yeah, was it turn off your television set and go and do, do something, something less, less boring, boring instead? instead yes, that's right. Anyway, there we go. But you watched the whole programme. And they yeah. never went and did the thing they told you. Yeah, and it was always on in the school holidays, which basically, in the olden days, you didn't have TV on during the day. So they probably should just, like, just don't put the telly on. You'll have to go outside because your nan won't let you stay in. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I anyway, interrupted. Anyway, doing yes. something completely 
different. I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, so I found a story in The Guardian of women of a certain age yeah. uh, who decided to um, set up a punk band. Okay. Now, I wasn't expecting that. No, I know. So there's this group of women of a certain age, Alison Dunn, whose stage name is Fish. I don't think you can have Fish because Marillion, yeah. the lead singer of Marillion's called Fish. Anyway, she's formed a punk band at the age of 58 because, as she says, <laughs> this is why I really like this article. Go on, then. I've got no fucks to give anymore about what anyone thinks of me. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'd like to think that that was true, but I don't feel the need to set up a punk band. No, but maybe she always had had the desire to do a punk band and now she thinks, well, I don't give a shit. Well, so is there something that you've always desired to do and held back? Um, be myself, maybe? Because, like... It doesn't matter now, does it? You know, we, maybe that's the thing. There is a thing about being a woman of a certain age where you do start to give less of a shit about what people yeah. think. Because what's the point? Actually, maybe this is a piece of advice I wish I'd had. Daniel Pink, what piece of advice do you wish you'd had? Yes. Years and years and years ago. And it is that, you know, you can spend as long as you like wishing that you weren't so tall, but unless you're going to have big chunks taken out of your legs and your legs rebuilt with metal pins, you're oh, going to be tall. I've got another flashback now. Go on. Life and loves of the she Oh, devil. yeah, she did She that. did have yes. chunks taken out of her yes. legs. Yes. yes. So, of course, why you spend... God, we really are talking to the 50-somethings today, aren't we? Why would you spend all your time worrying about being tall? You can't do anything about it. Okay. Anyway, so there we go. So um, it's a Leicester-based band called uh, The Unglamorous Music Project... And the aim is to create a local punk scene for older, all-female bands who write their own music. Often, it's males who form bands, isn't it? Yes. You know, as they get older, what should we do? Well, it's... Those are the ones who didn't set up a band when they were younger. But now I've got the money... They've got a guitar. Because, like, what else do you do? So they've got a guitar. Or five. Or drums, or... Yeah, whatever. Um... So, yeah, but going back to something that we talked about a while ago, which was um, when we met in the noisy pub and there was the whole, um, here are some things that you could do if you're a woman of a certain age. Get a hobby. She says, there's a very limited range of hobbies that are acceptable as an older woman. If you like music, for example, you're expected to join a choir. <laughs> so true. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and she says that, you know, you don't even have to need to... You don't even need to be able to play an instrument. With punk, it's the lyrics. Uh, And she says, most bands are young white men aged 19 to 23, and their lyrics are about their experiences. But if you... Quite limited, really, aren't they? At that time in their life, yeah. But if you put together women who range from 20 to early 70s, their experience of life, their (laughs) humour, their anger... I'm just thinking now, I could think of a whole load of punk lyrics related to the menopause. Oh, and the anger. Yeah. <laughs> that, I wouldn't have to force yes. that. That would just come, <laughs> just come down flowing down. out of you. <laughs> come flowing out of you. Anyway, so she, the, this lady was a theatre producer, had no musical experience beyond playing the ukulele to a very basic level, but she says it's time for the anarchic, loud, shouty stuff to happen again. Isn't that great? I think it's fabulous. I, th- I, I, I had no desire 
to be in a punk band, but now all of a sudden I'm thinking, there's the outlet. Yeah, I, it may be one of those things that it's better to be in it than to listen to it. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that always the case? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I thought... I am an anarchist. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or my favourite is I'm a fire starter because when twisted you, twisted fire starter because in Tesco they sell fire starters and they're called twisted fire starters. Ah, oh. and you can't help but sing as you go. I down. can't help but take a photo of them every time I'm in the shop. Post it on social media because it makes me laugh. <laughs> there's a there's Let's a sign at work that always makes me laugh and also makes me sing. Not out loud, mostly in my head, but one day I will sing. And it, it's a pathway. We have a lot of uh, marked up pathways uh, because of large vehicles, safety issues. And there's a sign that says, with a little arrow, walk this way. Oh, she told me to walk this way. Walk this way. Yeah, talk this, this way. way. Yeah, and that's what I do every time I approach it. I do a little strut. A little, I get str- a little Axel Rose. Is it Axel Rose? Isn't it Aerosmith? Oh, no, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh. Is it? I think it's Axel Rose. Walk this way. Uh, pause while I would Google it. Aerosmith, you're right. Oh, mind you, Ron yeah. DMC have done it as well. Yeah, no, I was thinking of Steve Tyler, to be honest. So I think of Steve Tyler strutting his funky stuff. Well. And I strut my own funky stuff. Unfortunately, it's in a part of the... Um, workplace where there's not too many people around but I hadn't reckoned on the CCTV <laughs> so maybe you got yeah. me strutting my funky stuff. There's gonna be a little a little medley. Just on that, having Googled it, what year was um, Walk This Way? Oh Christ. Nineteen seventy five. See I was thinking I'm gonna go really far out I'm gonna say nineteen seventy eight and I feel crushed. Yeah. 1975. <laughs> and I, obviously, I don't remember it when it first came out. No. Obviously. No, no. Unlike, uh, what did I hear on the radio today? I was driving over to Telford and Girls Talk came on by Dave Edmund. Dave Edmonds? And I knew every single word. I, I blame my parents for that because they used to have Radio 2 on and I picked up all the words for Wichita Lineman. And yeah. <laughs> but when you... This particular song, it placed me on a particular holiday with the family. And I know how old my brother was at that time because it was his birthday. And so that means (coughs) it was 39 years ago. Oh, good memory. Good memory. Well, because music, you know, music sometimes just puts you somewhere. Transports you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if somebody said to me, what year was it? I wouldn't know and I'd have to do the... But play the music and you're there. Yeah, knew every single word. And that's what we can aspire to with our punk band. We transport people (laughs) out of the building and as far away from (laughs) us as possible. Now Here's the Thing is a Jones and Noble production brought to you every week. Well, maybe not every week, Heather. (laughs) Recorded with an iPhone, a microphone and lots of hot air. 